Dorothy Lucy of Good Day Live interrupts 9-11's tribute for breaking J-Lo news. Oh, yeah. A lot of you have been responding. Um, here's uh, Megan in Wisconsin. I still remember this day like it was yesterday. Everything is so clear. This day made me become what I am today, and I'm a proud member of the U.S. Army. Let me read some handheld uh, that I have here. Um, everybody who lost their lives two years ago will forever be in my family's prayers. Today is bittersweet. It is also my husband and my fourth anniversary. Uh, oh my gosh, Steve, you mentioned wedding anniversary. Uh, th th this, this will sound very odd to mention yeah. this at this moment, but um, Ben and J-Lo have called off their wedding, which is something that any other day we would have led with. <laughs> they felt the media coverage was too much, and they called it off. <laughs> Shut up! The Skeleton Crew show is for immature audiences only. What's up, Boneheads? This is the Skeleton Crew. We're back for show 95. This is an historic show for us, Jamie and I. Uh, Jamie, 95 shows. It has... I mean, for you, it's been what, like... 54. This will. This is the 54th. Or I guess this is the 55th if my first one was 41. So, right. yeah, so this will be the 55th. Wow. So, uh, yeah, this is a big show. We have a uh, guest coming on the show. Uh, you guys remember from the Ethel show. Uh, I forgot what it was titled at this point. It was like it was called Will You Shut the Fuck Up? Uh, we had a little beef going with the House of Horror podcast. There was a lot of miscommunication that went on. And um, Matt was out. Assumptions and, and things like that. And it turned into like something that was just... Bizarre. It was called, oh yeah, number tw show number 23, would you shut the fuck up? It, it was about Tom and Joe from House of Horror. So Tom is actually coming on the show, and we are going to get into all things horror and that whole controversy that went down. So that should be interesting, Jamie. You remember that show. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I wasn't there for it, but I remember it. I listened right. to it. Um that was actually one of my favorite episodes because of the Ethel interview, um, which I love. And well, that's an interesting way to to wrap up the crew. Yeah, like because that was such a turning point for the show. Because when we went to Horror Bid, we were kind of, they were kind of the big dogs, at, at, of course, because they've been there for every year. They're the ones who knocked out Rabbit and Red, and uh, I was on that show at the time, but I wasn't like uh, I. My hands weren't in it enough to to keep it afloat. I was just a, a, a guy who sat there, a mouthpiece, who had no say in anything, really. Cause, uh, oh, you were me. No, you have say in stuff. <laughs> Get out of here. No say. You're just a seat filler. No, on that Rabbit and Red, if you were on Rabbit and Red, you were a seat filler. Like, the more seats... And people around Vince, he felt like, wow, sounds like I have something going on, and I'll just fucking talk the whole time. 
and somehow that'll translate as a real fun atmosphere, but it really didn't, and it was just impossible. Now that, I, now that I'm on Banana Laser, and I could see what it's like to take that third C, which, exa- which was exactly what I was on Rabbit Red, I was horrendous on Rabbit Red. And I'm not that bad on Banana Laser, and so I'm gonna... I think it was just Vince and the way he did things, and the way he moved it along. It just wasn't... It, it, it doesn't work with other people. You know, it's mostly just about him. When he throws you a bone once in a while, and you're like, oh, I get to talk? Oh, gee, I don't know, what the fuck should I say? You know, there's no, there's no flow, there's no... Yeah, no, I get it. Although, do you know I have not listened to any of his shows? <laughs> I tried to have you listen to one of them. How far did you make it? You click download and, <laughs> and that's it. And then, and then I don't even did I? Did, oh, oh, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Just a, I think it was one little segment, but I have not listened to an entire show. And why is that? I just wasn't interested. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> okay. Because you mean so much to me, and because mm-hmm. the crew means so much to me, I just wasn't interested in anyone who had uh, any kind of beef with the crew or with you. And so, you know, I'm not going to give them my time. Why would I do that? Why would I give them downloads? I don't care. Right. We're doing our own thing, so. Well, Jamie, somebody has to give them downloads. Jesus Christ, throw the guy a bone. Well, it ain't going to be me. <laughs> Obviously, it ain't going to be really anybody. <laughs> I think it's like four people who, who listen to that, but... Eh, that's cute, though, that he's still doing his thing. So, uh, speaking of people still doing their thing, uh, J- Jolie, Haley Joel Osman is in the movie Wal- uh, T- the Tusk, of <laughs> Walrus, is in the movie Tusk, Jamie. Now, he plays a podcaster in the movie, and he looks kind of bizarre, and then all of a sudden I saw pictures. He's going to be a Nazi in this uh, other Kevin Smith movie coming out. And <clears throat> did you ever see the mayor from Toxic Avenger? Yes. He's like a blob, disgusting creep. Yeah. Is that what he looked like? Looks just like him, yeah. I have seen, you know, I have seen recent red carpet pictures of him. And what I find interesting is, is if you pull up a picture of Haley Joel Osment nowadays, it looks like his head continued to grow, but his features <laughs> never did. So, right. like, he's got these tiny little features nestled in the middle of this big face. Right. <laughs> and I was like, that's so bizarre. It is. He's... And does the guy get any work? You know, I haven't seen him until I heard about him being in Tusk. I don't know what he's been doing up to that point, because I don't recall seeing him in anything. Oh, Osment, his name is. Okay, let's see. Oh, he was in Artificial Intelligence in 2001. He was in Pay It Forward. Second Lions. Yeah, he's in nothing. I'm not making fun of the guy. He's obviously doing more in his life than I am. I just think it's amazing when somebody is in a movie and they capture your memory forever. Like, you will always remember Joel Haley Osment. You know? So, <laughs> you'll always remember that. Yeah, he, well, and then if you look at those other titles, I mean, Secondhand Lions, Pay It Forward, and AI, those are all old. They're 2000. One and three in 2000. I mean, so he, he, maybe he's been going to school. Maybe he's been doing regular kid stuff. I don't know. Yeah. And the the movie where he looks like uh, the mayor from Toxic Avenger, his, his, uh, his name is 
Yoga Hosers. That's the name of it. H-O-S-E-R-S. Hosers. That's the name of the movie. Huh. And that's Kevin Smith, you said, right? <clears throat> yeah. I actually recently, and uh, your boyfriend Brian, we both picked up Toxic Avenger. It's on Blu-ray now. Yeah, yeah. From, was it from Scream Factory? No. no Troma, actually. Troma. Yeah, remember that time I interviewed uh, uh, Lloyd Kaufman and he, and I asked him, is Toxic ever going to come to Blu-ray? And he goes, no, Toxie's too green to be blue. Right. And he lied. He probably just didn't know at the time. You know, the thing about Kaufman is I think you wave a little money in his face and and he's going to snatch it up. That's I mean and that that's not I don't I don't have any issue with that because you're in the business to make money. That's what you do. So at the time he probably didn't think it would, but then I'm sure you know if someone came to him and said, "Hey, let's release this on Blu-ray." And he started seeing dollar signs, so why not? Yeah. They needed to because the DVD it looked horrible and it was full frame. Like it was just horrendous. It looked like a tape. How does it? How does the Blu-ray look? It, it looks as good as you could imagine. No, it does not look like it was just shot. It doesn't sound like it was just shot. It's just widescreen, clear as as anything. Toxic Avenger. I mean, it's all you can ask for. So I'm not. I'm not uh, unhappy with it. So that's a good thing. Even though he lied to me and blew my exclusive. So whatever. <laughs> Damn him. Yeah, really. Asswipe. And the, the one cool thing about Lloyd Kaufman is that he actually um, puts a lot of trauma movies on YouTube for free. So he's willing to pass up a buck, um, oddly enough. So I was looking at uh, a couple trailers that, that are coming out. Um, Annabelle, which is a prequel to... The Conjuring. The Conjuring, yeah. Sorry. I'm bad with names. You ever notice that? Not at all. <laughs> Except that you're still calling me Christopher. <laughs> Christ Graber. <laughs> I have seen the trailer. What do you think? <laughs> I think it reminds me of the origins of Chucky. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, you know, bad, bad person, soul gets into doll, doll becomes evil. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's all right there. I don't, um, I think... When I saw the original teaser trailer, that they didn't really offer you much of anything except you got to see the blood dripping into the doll's eye and then, you know, ooh. Um, but then when I saw the extended trailer, I think that I'm actually on board with this. I'm, I'm willing to give it a shot anyway. You know, I'm looking forward to giving it a shot. I always like to see new things. So that's kind of what we do. Hmm. Well, I'm not going to show you my penis again then. You've already seen it. <laughs> It's an old thing from a year ago. It's an old thing, yeah. All right. Well, uh, I don't know. I'm not buying it. I don't, I'm not into it. It looks stupid. It looks cliche. Oh, their arms move. Then they were in another room. I feel like I've just seen this a hundred times. Just like The Conjuring. I mean, everything in The Conjuring, I've seen a hundred times. The only difference is it was done better than every other time. But what does that mean by the time it's in your memory? In your head, everything is sort of better because it, you remember it so um, with such mystique that it kind of it makes it seem better. So by the time you're actually watching it more well done in The Conjuring, eh, I, I mean, yes, it's all well done, but I feel like I've seen it all a hundred times. I don't know, we'll see. There is that one scene in the trailer where she sees the little girl in the other room, and then the little girl starts running, and then she turns into the woman as she comes, like, 
rushing through the door. I mean, that was when I saw the trailer for that, and when I went to the movies, and so you know I saw it on the big screen and everything. It actually got me. I thought it was you know I was like oh. Um, so, which just means that now when I see the movie, I'm going to be waiting for that scene and it's not going to get me. It's a shame. Oh, like this? Yes. <laughs> I was like, what is that? <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah, and it, it's unfortunate when some sometimes some of the best gags you are already waiting for. That was a real problem that I had with that movie that came out about the about the angel. The It was the one about the archangel where the they were in a diner. And the you saw in the trailer you saw With John Travolta? No, <laughs> not Michael. <laughs> um, in the trailer you saw the old woman climbing on the ceiling, and so then you know when you're watching the movie and this old woman comes walking into the diner, you already know how it's going to end up. You know she's going to grow <laughs> some really sharp teeth and start climbing on the ceiling. <laughs> then also in that trailer was this ice cream truck pulls up to the diner and this like spidery guy jumps out and he's really creepy. And if I hadn't known about it, it might have been effective. But by the time I saw the film, I'd already seen the trailer. And so as soon as the ice cream truck pulls up, you know what's going to get out of it. So there's no shock. There's no surprise. And I don't understand who these people are that cut trailers and decide, I know, we'll put every scene that could have any possible creep factor into the trailer. And I mean, I get why they're doing it. Yep. It's a big fucking worm on a hook. Exactly. You know, their business is to cut a trailer that will bring people's asses into the seats. Right. They don't care if they ruin your experience. Yeah. I mean, they don't. They don't give a shit. Is that once you buy your ticket and you're in the seat, that that's all you get. And it's a. I think it's a serious problem. And I mean, we just talked about Oculus. Um, yeah, the the light bulb apple gag. And the light bulb apple gag. You know, and if you saw the trailer, like you and Dave had not seen the trailer, and that. No still worked but i'd seen the trailer i was waiting for it so as soon as a, a light bulb and an apple were anywhere in the same vicinity <laughs> you know i knew what was going down uh like cabin fever cabin fever a cabin in the woods suffered because yeah, the because that trailer, trailer made it look like a normal horror movie exactly and there's not much they could do about it because uh, you know if you if you give away too much then you give away too much of the story so they had to be very careful how they marketed that and it failed and that was a shame because <laughs> it just people who went to see the movie weren't getting what they thought they were getting and a lot of people avoided the movie because of what they thought they were going to get so that marketing plan did not work at all and so it's a very it's a very difficult tightrope to balance but we need to find a way to do it <laughs> because uh, otherwise, I mean, then you have people who just don't watch trailers at all, like Dave. I mean, he is completely off of trailers if he can help it, and I don't blame him. Well, <clears throat> here's the problem, though. We already know that the reason they're remaking everything is because people are far more willing <clears throat> to give money to something they have a familiarity with. So... Nobody wants to see something they never heard of. They don't know what it's about, this and that. So now take that, that headspace and mindset and take it over to trailers. It's like, well, we have to watch a trailer because how many people are willing to just walk in a theater? Oh, what's out this weekend? Oculus. Huh. Okay, let's go see that. Like, who would even say that? Like, you would be like, well, well, let me see the trailer. It's just a natural thing. So, not only <clears throat> do we want to go to something that's familiar that we already know, we're not even willing to see these these new horror movies because we don't know if they're going to be good or bad, but we'll go see Texas Chainsaw 
Leatherface's teenage years because, well, we know him already and we already know what we're in for, so we'll pay for that, sure. But, so now, try to get people to watch these movies without even seeing a trailer? It is impossible. That's the only selling point you got at this point. So Right. It's hard to do. Yeah. I don't even know how Dave knows he wants to see them. <laughs> um, it's interesting what you said about familiarity, though. Several years ago, I wrote an article called Familiarity Breeds Content. And it was basically about, you know, franchises and how people get used to seeing something. And so they know that if they keep pumping out what makes money, it's going to continue to make money. And I think that there is an inherent truth in that. I mean, if you tell me that there's a Friday the 13th film in the theater, I don't have to see a trailer. I'm going to see it. Period. (laughs) You know, I'm excited. I'm going to see it. That's all there is to it. And... Uh, like even with the remake, I wasn't even upset that they were remaking it. I was curious to see what they were going to do with it. And I didn't need a trailer t- to want to go see that. But I mean, you're right. If you try to introduce something new to people, they're going to be like, well, you got to hook me first. I mean, this is my hard earned money. Right. I mean, and then apart from all the legal ways that you have to see films, there's all the illegal ways that you have to see films that you can end up seeing a movie before it hits the theater or as soon as it hits the theater or whatever. I mean, people just aren't they're they're not bothering with it anymore so i think what we need to do is i I mean i don't want it to die i mean i feel like also the prices are only going to continue to go up because people aren't going i remember when i said you watch guys one day you'll be paying ten dollars just to watch a movie not even buy it and they were all like yeah right and movies were like uh 625 to go see a movie and i here i am I think I just paid $14 one time to see a movie, and it was because it was, uh, you know, 3D or something. Maybe IMAX, I don't know. I mean, I did it, you know, and I probably will continue to do it as long as, as long as I can afford it. But what's happened is I have to be more choosy about the movies that I see in the theater, which pretty much means that I save my pennies for horror movies, and I don't really see anything else in the theater. And you have to see the, the trailers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <'Cause, you know? laughs> like, why would you, you know, how else can you can you possibly do it? And one of the trailers that actually uh, I just saw recently is that movie we talked about, Tusk. Now, did you see this trailer? I have not. Okay, well, you know, it's what we talked about earlier. It's about a guy who, who visits weird people with weird stories, and he does interviews with them. But he goes <clears throat> to their houses... <coughs> Sorry, to their houses. And basically this guy was, you know, I don't know, had years of voyages and sea journeys in the Antarctic or whatever. So he comes back and uh, he decides, he's a rich guy. He's a gigantic mansion, tons of property, blah, blah. Uh, Everything, millions it looks like he has. And uh, he he traps this guy, goes to interview him and he drugs him and stuff and he ties him up. And he's in a wheelchair, and somehow he's able to do all this stuff. I don't even know. Like, he could take over a guy in a wheelchair. I guess if you... How do you... I don't even know how he picked the guy up and tied him to a chair. I'm not even sure how he did that. But, so he does that, and um, he is basically, like, carving out tusks or whatever, and he's going to turn this guy into a walrus. And he's like, oh, what are you crying about? Because you're human? You're saying goodbye to humanity? What's the point? Why do you want to be human anyway? And all of a sudden, they're, like, flashing pictures of this amazingly hot chick who is way too hot for him like he's an, a really ugly guy um uh, I'll, I'll look up his name i mean i'm sure you've 
You've heard of him. And he's dating this girl, Genesis Rodriguez, who is like the hottest thing on the planet. And she's on top of him, climbing all over him. Here, the ugly guy is named uh, Justin Long. You ever hear of him? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, mean, I don't think Justin Long is ugly. Oh. Oh, yeah. Of course oh. not. <laughs> he's well, he looks ugly in the movie because he has a mustache. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, okay. Maybe. Uh, I just... But the... I presume this is like Justin Long from Die Hard, Drag Me to Hell, Accepted, yeah. Dodgeball. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's goofy. Okay. So he could never end up with Genesis Rodriguez. Number one, number two. I'm wondering if you have a if you're a millionaire, why are you even wasting your time turning this guy into a walrus? Why don't you just buy a walrus? <laughs> like, like why do you, why don't why don't you want a real one? Like I don't even understand the premise of the movie. Yeah, I've heard um, months and months ago when this was uh, when news about this first started trickling down. I heard a synopsis of this, and I thought it was—I think it was actually on this show—and uh, that we were talking about it. It just seemed odd, <laughs> but <sighs> you no, know, I don't even know what to think of Kevin Smith anymore. Like, I liked Red State. I think that was the last thing of his that I saw. I loved Clerks because I was working. I was actually working at a convenience store when Clerks came out, and that was so everything that we did. I mean, it was yeah. just, it was so realistic. I was just it, crazy about that film. You were like, I played hockey on a roof. I did. Well, we used to take, like, skull cans and Copenhagen cans, like, you know, like dip cans. We would take those and play hockey with them in the store <laughs> because they're, like, hockey puck size. Um and occasionally one would bust open, but, you know, <laughs> but I mean, we would do all sorts of bullshit. You know, um, we would stage robberies while other like fake robberies while other customers were in the store <laughs> just, uh, just to get reaction because it was we'd get bored. You know, we were so bored. Oh, I so. love getting reactions out of people. Yeah. Anyway, so that that film meant a lot to me. I really enjoyed that one. And then this but I didn't like Clerks 2 very much. I just didn't. It had a couple of funny things, but for the most part, I wasn't crazy about it. I love Dogma. Love Dogma. Yeah. I love Katma. That was pretty good. <laughs> I knew you'd appreciate that. Oh, we're up to our long distance dedication. And this one is about kids and pets and a situation that we can all understand, whether we have kids or pets or neither. It's from a man in Cincinnati, Ohio. And here's what he writes. Dear Casey, this may seem to be a strange dedication request, but I'm quite sincere and it'll mean a lot if you play it. Recently, there was a death in our family. He was a little dog named Snuggles, but he was most certainly a part of... Let's go start again. I'm coming out of the record. Play the record, okay? Please. See, when you come out of those up-tempo damn numbers, man, it's impossible to make those transitions. And then you got to go into somebody dying. You know, they do this to me all the time. I don't know what the hell they do it for, but damn it, if we can't come out of a slow record, I don't understand it. Is Don on the phone? Okay, I want to damn concerted effort to come out of a record that isn't a f***ing up-tempo record every time I do a damn death dedication. Now, make it, and I also want to know what happened to the pictures I was supposed to see this week. This is the last damn time I want somebody use a brain to not come out of a damn record that is, uh, that, that's up-tempo, and I got to talk about a dog dying. 
Hi, this is Casey Kasem. American Top 40 has moved to a new time. I hope you'll join me this Saturday morning and every Saturday morning at 2. 2. Boy, this is f***ing ponderous, man. Ponderous. F***ing ponderous. Welcome to the House of Horror Podcast for April 22nd, 2011. This is episode one, and my name is Joe. What's up? My name is Tom. And uh, we are the new podcast on HorrorBid.com, exclusively on HorrorBid.com. All right, guys, we're back, and we have a very special guest in the dungeon. He came all the way over here from the House of Horror Podcast, Tom Normandy. What's up, Tom? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, dude. Everybody who listens to this show pretty much knows you in one way or another. Uh, you know, you were on Harbid, just like we were. <laughs> yes. Uh, the defunct Harbid. Do you know that it's not even in, in existence anymore? Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> I, hon- I honestly haven't really even gone back to that site. I don't even, like, go to their Facebook page or anything like that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's gone. It's hard domain right now. It looks. Uh, yes, yes, that's right. Okay, yes, I remember hearing. Okay, I remember. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> and hard domain. It looks like it was created in what, Matt? Would you say 1997 or so? Oh, it looks terrible. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like an, an Angel Fire website or something. <laughs> <laughs> Tripod fucking website. <laughs> is that the same guy that did the dating site thing on there? Yes, no? it is. There's know. a dating site on there? Remember, man, that situation where he put up a thing about... His, <laughs> go ahead, Jamie. Oh, dating. that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I if any girls want to date a movie mogul who collects fucking shit from movies that nobody wants, uh, I'm available, but you have to be hot and under 30. <laughs> you had to be between 18 and 30, so I was knocked out, which was very sad for me. <laughs> oh. It broke my heart, yeah. Do you have to be a girl, or could I have submitted my uh, resume? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. So, uh, you know, Tom, you're you're a lot younger than us, right? You're like, what, 26 or something? I'm 25. 25. Yeah. So, you know, listening to your show and seeing the point of view that you and Joe have, uh, Joe is his co-host, it's just the, the two of them. When you when you guys think, or I'll just say for you for now, when you think of horror movies, what does the, what, what pops in your mind? Because you, do you go like the Jason, Michael, Freddy route, or do you have like a whole other frame of mind? When I hear horror movies, like, whenever someone just mentions horror movies in general, I always just picture a girl running through the woods getting chased by some guy with, like, a knife. But, (laughs) obviously, I strongly believe horror movies are so much more than that, you know? Like, what would your favorites be? Because you you did a few retrospectives, and it didn't seem like you're very big into, like, the 80s thing. Right, you know, my taste in horror is just so spread out, you know, and even hypocritical, I'll definitely admit, but I mean, like, favorites, you know, I I grew up with the Scream series. I'm really a big Scream fan. You know, I grew up on the I Know What You Did Last Summer and the sequel and the, uh, 
urban legend, you know. Mm-hmm. While those ones aren't my favorite, uh, Scream is definitely, I would put in the top all-time favorite. But, I mean, like, favorite, you know, from the 70s, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, of course, definitely. Um, I remember seeing that first when I was, like, 12, and I've just been hooked ever since. I've seen it a million times, and I'm very much looking forward to picking up the uh, the 4K Blu-ray next week. Oh, yeah? Oh, oh man, I bought it too soon. <clears throat> oh, well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wow, okay, so you, you're you more into that 90s, like, uh, good-looking teen cast thing? Like I, the- you know, that was, like, me growing up. As far as, like, stuff now, I mean, it, it, it's very vast. I, As far as, like, newer and current stuff, I absolutely am obsessed with the first Insidious movie. I really, really love that movie. Um, I was a fan of uh, Maniac with Elijah Elijah Wood. I thought that was good, and yeah. uh, you know, Sinister was pretty uh, pretty entertaining as well. Except for the very last jump scare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean that's that's stuff that's always you know easy good way to get your audience uh, to jump, but not necessarily. I wouldn't call it, like it didn't help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was a bad choice. Uh, but I'm definitely, I'm for, like, a lot of, like, I always look forward to remakes and stuff. And, you know, I, I've stated on uh, my show several times that, you know, I, I strongly believe remakes, they don't take away from the original, you know. And if you think the remake looks like shit, then you know like you don't have to see it like then stick with the original and just know that the original will always be better and stuff and you know we'll we'll definitely get into that because i have some strong opinions about some certain uh remakes that's sort of the defining uh theme of this decade remakes pretty much so most horror fans i would say like 90 percent or more are like completely opposed to this and they're like get some original ideas you assholes what is wrong with you and you're remaking shit that was just done it's not even been you know 30 years or whatever and it's like dude come on and and you're of the mind that that you are into what's happening with remakes you're all for it you know i'm open to it but i can definitely understand why um, certain people would be against a lot of remakes, you know, and I always go to, I think it's a generational thing, you know, so like when, you know, people uh, were against like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake from 2003, it's, you know, I assume it's because they grew up with that original one or it came out around the time that they were, you know, watching horror movies and stuff. So I, I can understand that because I know if they were to like remake Scream, I know I would definitely be like, eh, I don't think they should do that. But I always try to be open and I'm always open to like watching a trailer or something like that. But I, I you won't see me like protesting like, no way, you can never remake this. I, <laughs> I don't I just don't have that philosophy. Nothing is sacred. <laughs> yeah. Not even Jaws. You know, it's like if they were and I'm sure they will because they remake everything nowadays, but like it wouldn't it wouldn't like piss me off. I'll just be like, well, I love the original Jaws. We'll see how the new one will come out. It'll probably suck. But, you know, and if it ends up sucking, then, you know, oh, well, (laughs) never watch it again. Yeah, exactly. You don't watch it again. And yeah, exactly. And that's how I feel uh, about the Evil Dead remake. You know, like I'm a huge I love Evil Dead, the original from uh, 81 and, um, you know, I, I, I despised the remakes. So. Ooh. Yeah. Wrong room there, Tom. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit. Now it's four against one. So let's get up on him, and uh, this will be <laughs> nice and fair. <laughs> yeah. 
course. Now, what what don't you like about Evil Dead remake? Because we're all like, we I, that was my number one pick of last year, and I think yeah, a couple people. No, I understand. It. And and no, I'm definitely in the minority for it. Trust me, I get it from <laughs> my friends all the time. And you know, I just. I wasn't a fan of the characters. Like, I didn't find any of them appealing. I just, you know, I couldn't really get on board with any of them. They were just all like, eh, whatever. Like, um, I can't remember their names. I can only remember, like, certain actors' names. But, like, the main guy, you know, like his sister Mia with the drug problems and stuff. Okay, you know, that was fine. She was she was enjoyable. But, like, him, David, that's his name. I, I thought he was incredibly bland. I'm like, no, not at all. It's just... The thing with remakes, it's like if you're going to remake something, you take the original idea and you want to make it better or different. Well, you know, you watch I watch both Evil Dead movies and I'm like the original just took that idea, that that little plot and just did it better. You know, I wasn't a fan of the the demons or whatever you want to call them in the remake. Uh, to me they weren't demons, they were like zombies, you know, and they were very bland and I just felt it was done better in the original because in the original you have the demons that are that are laughing, they're bouncing off the walls, they're going ape shit, they're taunting the victims. Where it's like here, yeah, there was cut. She was cutting her tongue. Yeah, yeah, and that was a good shot. I will admit That's that like, that was a cool little scene. But like you know, the scene like the girl Natalie, she's just walking around. It's like they felt like zombies, and to me, they just weren't threatening like they were in the original. Huh. Well, yeah. well, Dave. Well, who's who's a bigger fan of this, Matt or Dave? No, Matt. Remember, we just well, we just talked about it last week. Remember, I had, I don't I remember had anything. Issues. I don't remember what you yeah. said when we first got on here. Right now, what's your name again, <laughs> uh, Matt? What, he, yeah. You know what he said. Uh, you know that was a valid uh, argument that the characters are bland and this and that. But would you say that yeah. the Evil Dead remake is? It's not really about the character. Like that's is that that's not what makes you love the movie or why it's entertaining. No, absolutely not. Uh, it's mainly uh, an effects-driven film, and, and I'm there mostly for that. But also, at the same time, the first Evil Dead, I didn't care about the characters in that one either. Even the, <laughs> the main character, Ash, and his girlfriend, and what they got going on, they were very bland in that as well. And I think that movie, you're also there just for the effects and the gore and, and shit like that. So I, I still feel like they're kind of similar. You know, it's just stylistically a little different, updated. I think Ash is more likable, though, in the original than anybody would be in the remake. Uh, I don't know, man. Ash was not Ash that you think of now. I mean, think yeah. basically, no, he's he was not a nice that guy. guy. He, was, he wasn't a dick at all. He was a nice guy. But he was I a bore. See... Uh, he wasn't really. I just think compared to that, I, I understand what Tom's saying about the characters in the new one. That they're not really, they're not so relatable. I guess the brother to a point because he's trying to help his sister. But... I don't know. I, I think Ash is just someone that people would take to easier. I don't know. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I, you know, Ash in the original obviously is uh, drastically different than Ash in like Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, I just, you know, like you said, Ash is like a nice guy and stuff, and he was just more, I guess, enjoyable to watch on film. But I can totally understand that. Um, you know, it's not a character-driven film but i feel that there have there has to be some sort of middle ground where it's like i gotta be on board with these characters i was very disappointed when you know all the months leading up to evil dead coming out before the trailers were released they're like oh we're not going to use cgi or whatever and then i see the movie and it's like 
you know, possessed Mia has the CGI eyes most of the time. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? She looks ridiculous. And I, I just wasn't a fan of that. I really thought they were going to go more practical. And I just, I didn't see that. I saw a lot of CGI in this movie and I'm not a fan of that, especially after the original Evil Dead, you know, 81, they, you know, they, they pulled it off with uh, practical effects and stuff Oh, but like they that. look like fucking Muppets, though. I mean, you, you can't really say he pulled it off. Like, literally, you'd, you'd laugh out of the theater if you saw that today, you know? And even back then, what makes people from 1982 any different from 2002? I mean, of course, because we've seen better things over the years. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, for that time, you still could not seriously take that serious. Yeah, I can understand that. And no, I, I definitely know what you mean, like about like the claymation and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I can see that. Um, but it's just like with the CGI, CGI eyes and stuff like that, I just I was very disappointed. And then, you know, the opening with the girl and just her face on fire, the CGI, just not a fan of that. It's right. like, I, I don't know. Hmm. It was a big well, that was another thing when I went to see that um, because the entire time the the big selling point of this film was that. They were going. They were going practical, and so I was really excited about that. But then, in the very opening scene, you get all the CGI fire, and right. then, <laughs> um, and so I was like, "Well, wait a They're minute!" Like, except for this part, right? Except <laughs> for that part. Exactly. And so I think that on my initial viewing, that was sitting in my head because the thing, and I'm sure you guys know exactly what I'm talking about now. When when you've been doing this for a while, it is so hard to watch a film for the first time and not be writing a review in your head, you know, or oh, thinking yeah. of all the points that you want to remember to talk about when you have to talk about this movie or the things that you'd want to try to remember not to leave out when you talk about this movie. And those are the things that ended up running through my head. And the, the number one thing was we started off this movie with CGI fire. <laughs> exactly. And it was, it really bothered me. But then yeah. uh, when I saw it again, you know, I, was prepared for that, and then I was able to sort of Take the look past it. You know, I don't think, however, that it was as scary as the yeah. first one. And even though the the effects in the original are are questionable, you know, and they do look a little muppety at times, <laughs> and I can't argue that I can't. But there's something about that film that is creepy as fuck. And yeah. the first time I saw that when I was a kid, it scared the shit out of me. And I actually have this friend, um, she was my best friend forever, and nothing scares her. No, I mean, I can show her anything and it won't scare her um, until, well, the descent did. But before that, <laughs> nothing ever scared her. I showed her the evil dead and she could not sleep that night. And, of course, she was sleeping at my house and I all night long I was like, hey, oh my we're going <laughs> to get you. And she's like, stop it, stop it. <laughs> did you roll your eyes in the back of your head and smear your lipstick? It was a, I did, and then <laughs> then I started guessing playing cards, and she pissed her yeah. pants. Um, it was it was uh, there was there's something about that that even when I watch it today, I think it's it's just scary. No, it's great. It's a great movie. It's a great time piece or capsule, whatever you want to call it. Like it's great. I, I'm not knocking it. I prefer the remake over it, but at the Ooh. same time, damn. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. So as you've been doing this, your horror tastes, how have they changed, would you say, in, in the, like the last five years? Like It's so funny. My horror taste has changed drastically since doing this show. And obviously, like I am done with, done with uh, film school now, but 
when I had started uh, film school. My taste in film in general had changed, but definitely doing a horror podcast, you know, I listened to Joe because Joe is very analytical as well and listening to his point of view and his perspectives. He opened my eyes up to a lot of like, oh shit, I never looked at you know, some of my favorite movies this way, like he did. And there have definitely been times where it's like he's um, pointed out like plot holes or something in movies. And I've been like, oh, shit, you're kind of right. But, you know, I think taste changes as you do get older. Um, You know, like there's tons of movies that I loved when I was like 14 to like 18. And then I watch them now at 25. And I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? They're (laughs) terrible. Yeah, I did that with The Grudge. I thought that was one of the scariest movies ever made and part two. Mm-hmm. And then I watched it again like 10 years later or whatever, eight years yeah. later. And it was just the dumbest thing I ever watched in my life. Yeah, and it's funny because like Joe really opened my eyes up on The Ring. Now, that The Ring was a movie. That movie has so much nostalgia to me. I saw it twice in theaters. It scared the shit out of me when I was like 13 when it came out. And then – You know, Joe had watched it um, and had pointed out a lot of flaws the movie had. And I'm like, shit, Joe, you're right. And it's like I watch The Ring now and I can – I still love it and a lot of it is nostalgia. But I definitely understand where he would be coming from when he points out obvious like plot holes and flaws. And I'm like, shit, you're right. I can never look at this movie the same. But, you know, the nostalgia part of me still loves The Ring. Yeah. Dave, has your – taste or views of movies changed now that you started this thing with Matt, Banana Laser, and, and now me? Like, uh, did you view movies where you, you had more of an innocence, I guess, when you watched movies before, and now that you're sort of, you know, called upon to analyze and, and, and that kind of thing, would you say your, t- your movie tastes have changed in the last year and a half? I think that they've changed, but I don't think it's a result of the show. I just think something changed within me that I, I my tastes personally have changed. I, I appreciate more um, cinematography and artistic things more than I did even two years ago. I, think, I don't know why, Just that's just more what I'm into now, but I don't think my tastes have changed. Like Things that I love, I don't love any less now. Except Jason Lives. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Jason lives. That's true. But that was slowly progressing. You yeah. Know? As, as as we got older, for every year mm-hmm. we got older, that movie went down another half point. <laughs> and now it's pretty much. at like three yeah. or two. Uh, yeah. That's pretty much it. Have you, what about you guys? Have you? You think you guys have changed because, as a result? Um, Your tastes? No. I think the good thing about the show is that I have have more interest in checking out things I've never seen before. So it's helped me become better a better horror fan, if if you will. Is, is there any movies that you, from back then, uh, Tom, that you still like now? Absolutely. Like the Blair Witch to me held up. I still love that movie now. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street, the original. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm not, I'm going to drop a bomb here. I'm not a fan of the Freddy movies, actually. Not I'm a- not. Um, I liked Dream Warriors, but that was pretty much it. Right now, what what do you not? Like, who hears? A, which one of you guys are a huge fan of Nightmare on Elm Street? Oh, I like part one. You know, I, I would I give it like a four it. or five I, at least. I love the idea of it, but honestly, I've never been, I've never been amazed by the film itself. No. Uh, Dream Warriors is my number one Friday franchise film, 
Right, but Jamie, now Tom, oh, I'd like to see you two go at it. Oh yeah, Jamie <laughs> is a huge fan of the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> no, no, no. I, That's the best reaction that. ever. I, I hate that movie so fucking much. I <laughs> yes, I have. Good. I have defended that film on countless shows, and I will do it again. I don't. <laughs> I, don't care. I mean. I will admit, I actually do like the look of New Freddy. I admit that. I like that. Um, I like the actor who played him. I will say my problems are not really with Freddy. My problems are with the characters or with the script. Um, To me, the Nightmare on Elm Street movie, the remake, does the number one thing that I hate in horror films. And it's when people jump to conclusions or just know shit that it's like, how would you know that? Like, for example, and I, you know, I've gone on about this so many times on our show and it's like, you know, okay, specifically, I guess the scene, uh, Chris, when she is like crying in her bedroom with that guy, um, with her boyfriend or whatever, and she's afraid of Freddie now. And she believes that, oh, okay, well, Freddie's after me in real life and, you know, he's uh, Freddie's the one who killed Dean, the guy in the beginning and all that stuff. And Freddie is to blame. This is real. Now, my problem with that is that up until that point in the movie, Chris had only had dreams about Freddie. She had never like it's just I don't know how she hmm, I'm trying to I'm trying to put this into words. It's such okay, like she never Dean never described Freddie to um uh, to Chris. You know, he never went into great detail. This is what he looks like. He's burnt and everything. And here she is saying she's having like, you know, the same type of like experience. And it's like, but when we go to earlier on in the movie, when she's talking with Dean, all Dean says is like, yeah, you know, I'm having this nightmare about this guy or whatever and all that. And it's like, like, what are you talking about? How did you know Freddie killed Dean? Like, I, to me, that was just basic. You fucked up in the script. And, you know, Joe and I talk about that all the time. And, you know, and Joe's philosophy is like, oh, well, maybe it was they talked about it off screen. And that, to me, I never like saying that where it's like, oh, it happened off screen. No, you can't do that kind of shit. Like, it need, we need to see it. You need to explain it a little bit better. And I just I really felt Chris was jumping to a major conclusion because she never knew what Freddie really looked like or anything because she never heard it before in in great detail so i'm like okay that's to me is lazy script writing it's yes it's very analytical and everything and i'm sure there's people rolling their eyes and going oh he's fucking nitpicking okay you know whatever (laughs) but to me that's just a lousy setup that's just a lousy way to start your film also i cannot stand nancy in the film she's so boring no i agree with that yeah i agree with that i can't like like I'm not a fan of Rooney Mara at all. I do not like her. Um, but just that character of Nancy was brutal, like so bad. I'm like I can't. She's terrible. I, I can't relate to her. She's just she's a wooden board, like Kristen Stewart in the Twilight movies, mm-hmm. or Kristen Stewart in anything. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I have never seen her emote. Uh, <laughs> I, um, and, I, no, I can't. I can't argue that point. And I even yeah. said when I did the last time I discussed this, and when when Alex made me defend it, um, and I said that Nancy is one of the issues I have with the film. But to me, the the things that I appreciate about the film override her. And uh, there are a lot of things that I do appreciate it. I appreciate the fact that they went 
dark. You know, that they're going away from the Freddy that everyone had gotten used to and the useless and the useless entries of the franchise that made him all silly. Um, they went away from that. They tried to take it back dark. I appreciate that. I even appreciate the fact that they tried to make us sympathize with him um, toward the middle of the film. I like that they took a well-established character that you know as soon as you see the name and as soon as you see that crispy face, you know right away that that's evil on two legs. But yet they attempted to force you to sympathize with him. And I think it was – a lot of people are angry about that. A lot of people don't like – I don't want to be sympath- – I don't want to be sympathetic toward him. Well, the thing is you have this established character. People already know who he is. And the only way to shake people up when they're watching this film is to present something to them that they have not seen before. And that is a possibility that in this particular scenario of Freddy, and this because it, if you're watching this, then you're pretending like the other films have never happened, or you, you know that's the point, uh, then you don't know, and what if he was innocent? And I really appreciate that. I agree with that, and I, I gotta tell you, I've never said this anywhere, but I, my, I had the this, this similar situation with you, Jamie, where I'm watching it, and I like the fact that we're trying to figure out whether or not he is innocent or he is guilty, and I thought that was good, but I honestly, I was disappointed when I found out he was guilty. I think it would have worked a lot was better that. if he was innocent, and that's why he's a fucking bastard, and that's why he's doing this to these people. He just flipped at the end, you know, after he was killed. Then he turned evil and said, all right, well, fuck you guys. Now I'm going to come after your kids. You, you wrongly came after me. I thought that would have yeah. been a, a better for the plot. I agree. I really wanted them to go in that direction. And I was slightly disappointed when they didn't either because I think that would have been a completely v- new, like an entirely new view of Freddy. You know? But yeah, then I also the trailer? Find, Yeah, yeah. And in the yeah. trailer, I was, I was excited about that aspect yes. of it. And then – um, and then it turns out that he actually was evil. And so, but see, I don't mind being duped in a film. You know, I, I don't mind them making me care about a character and then turning out that I shouldn't have cared about him because he was evil the whole time. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that because it's it's awakening my emotions. It's allowing me to get involved with the character in the film. And that's something that I hadn't been involved with Freddie the character for decades, you know, because he was right. who he was, and that was stamped and clear. And this film came along and forced me to look at it from a different perspective. And in the end, it ended up being – he ended up being who he was all along. But for just that brief moment in time, I was on his side, and I like that they did that. Yep, I hear you. You know what? I want to ask Tom one question while, while I have the mic here. You mentioned earlier – that you were a big fan of the first Insidious. Yes. Um, all right. I know. I know. But I want to ask you, oh, what did God, you think of? Here it comes. <laughs> what did you think of part two? I hate part two. Yes. Really? Thank you. Get out of thank here. you. Thank you. It's good. Finally, somebody. Thank you, Tom. I I really uh. I really don't like part two, and my problems with part two was that it was such a forced movie. Yes. Thank you. It was such a. I mean a rehash of the first one. They tried to recreate shit that they nailed the first time and then they're trying to do it again. Um, you know, to me, the the demon in the first one with the red face, that that was so much more threatening than, say, like, the woman, the, the, the mother or whatever. I was like, I don't care about you. And, like, when she opens up her mouth and points, I'm laughing. I'm literally laughing. 
I, I mean, I've seen, I saw Insidious 2 in the theaters, and then I watched it when it first came out on Blu-ray and DVD, and I'm like, I just, I couldn't do it, you know? Like, I always like to give certain movies a second chance, and, you know, th- there have been movies that I've given 10 chances, and I just, I couldn't get behind it, and, you know, just, just wasn't a fan, and, yeah, yeah, it just, it didn't go over well with me, and trust me, I was... I was originally against them doing part two. I'm like, no, keep Insidious as a one-off. And then they did a part two. I'm like, of course they're going to do part two. It was a huge success. It made a shit ton of money. And um, I'm like, all right, whatever. Let's see what they do. And to me, it was just pretty much the same shit. Nothing really new. Uh, just, Just the same shit, but worse. And worse acting all around. I just, I didn't, I wasn't on board with anything. Dave, what is your big problem with that movie that you mentioned one time? Well, it didn't make sense. They were they were trying to answer questions that didn't need answering. They, they were already answered in the first movie. And by trying to over-explain everything again, I left the theater with more questions than answers. I was just like, what <laughs> the fuck? Like that thing with the knocking on the door. That was what – that's a, first and foremost, the thing that really got me was when they went to that one place – and they, they discovered that there had been bodies there for, I don't know. I've only seen it once, and it was opening night at the theater. But I think there was bodies in this place for like 20-plus years or something, they were saying, that the serial killer was around. He dressed, And then they said it was a man dressed up in women's clothing. They were, what the fuck? But anyway, there was bodies in this place that were supposed to be rotting for 20 years. Nobody can smell a fucking thing. That that threw me like, <laughs> uh, how ridiculous. Then they get in there. They, they had they a sheet even, over them, Dave. Yeah, but check it out. With a sheet. That's yeah, the logical. Sheet, yeah. <laughs> yeah <the> sheet. <laughs> and then they weren't the even sheet. decayed. They, they would have been fucking dust and bones. They weren't even decayed, these fucking bodies. I'm like, what the, who is this? What's this guy doing? And that was just a basic thing that pissed me off a little bit. Well, you have no problem with Jason being all meaty in part six when he was, been a, he was a skeleton when Tommy was stabbing him with the fucking rod. Suddenly he gets electric shot through him and now he has <laughs> muscles. He has everything going like he's perfectly fine. And he has gloves. Gloves. gloves he, has di- he washed dishes and just figured I'll leave the gloves on. <laughs> Bob Bob Vila, he was on an episode of this old house. He said, "Here's a fucking memento. Here you go." And it was it was awesome, dude. Well, Tom, uh, now Dave has redubbed uh, the movie Insidious too, and since you dislike it as well, you can take his moniker uh, with it, you. Insidious too. Oh my god, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, that's very clever. Thank you. Thank you. I got a couple of them. Yeah. What is your <laughs> Halloween eight one? Oh, Halloween colon resurrectum? <laughs> yes, yes, I had heard that. I had listened to um, one episode of your show where you had compared, like, what is the better franchise, uh, Halloween or Friday? And I remember you mentioning that. And <laughs> oh. that was Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> what, what do you think about that show? Do you, do you have any disagreements? Like, do you actually like Halloween 5 or are you normal? You know, <laughs> I understand the hatred of Halloween Five. I do, but to me, it's a guilty pleasure film. Oh, so mm-hmm. it it it's not. I understand. It's 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 bad, but it's like I don't know. It's I love four. I really love four, and five is it's entertaining, but I understand a lot of people's problems with it. And you know, listening to. The, the stuff, um, you know, in your episode, like you had mentioned, like the clown noises with the cops. Oh. I, I'm with you there. I'm with oh. you there. <laughs> you know. Or or even the preposterous opener that 
the fucking cops never <laughs> checked for the fucking body at the end of part four, and he just yeah, goes yeah. sailing down a river into a hope a hermit hobo's shack and just takes a nap for a takes year. A fucking nap by the river. <laughs> Michael takes a nap. Yeah. Jason takes a boat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's there's clear there's a ton of problems with Halloween Five, but I just think it's entertaining. For some of it, I actually do like, but. Then there are moments that are like, oh my god, this movie's fucking terrible. So I definitely understand, and that's why it's like it's almost so bad that it's good in a way. Now mm-hmm. you saying that is there any Halloweens you don't like? I do, I hate the third one. I really oh. do. Oh. oh god in heaven! Oh, I, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I hated the third one. Um, Come on Stonehenge. I <laughs> listen. I tried Halloween three. Joe and I actually sat down and watched together, and you know, obviously here, okay, Halloween three doesn't have Michael Myers. Okay, fine, we know that, we've accepted that. Let's just see what they have to offer. And to me, it was ridiculous. And to <laughs> me, what's ridiculous is Tom Atkins is on the phone the entire movie, and it's so funny. That movie. <laughs> <laughs> During that movie. It's I just, it's, it's, you know, it's, like, shit. like it's Tom Atkins on the phone, and I'm like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's that's funny. Let's play a drinking game with that one. Yeah, too. I never even. You literally can, and then wow, um, wow. yeah, absolutely, and then um, <laughs> I I you know I I obviously hate um, Halloween six and Resurrection. Okay, good. <laughs> now, I mean, six. Now, that's a funny. We we talked earlier about like stuff holding up, and Halloween six. I was actually the first horror film I ever saw. I was six years old, and I had never seen a horror film. And I was at a friend's house, and he put on Halloween six on VHS. All right, cool. So we had watched that, and obviously, being six years old, it scared the living shit out of me. And, you know, I watched it again when I was like 10, when I was like 12. I'm like, oh, this is cool. And then I watch it now and I'm like, this movie makes no fucking sense. (laughs) Oh, you don't think it's normal to rape your niece and try to kill her baby? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it's just so funny because it's like, um, you know, what stuck with me is like the opening in Halloween 6 when – Michael is chasing Jamie and then, you know, he pins the nurse up on the wall. I will say that's that scene is entertaining. And when he kills Jamie, OK, that's fine. But then the shit with like Kara Strode and all of that is just atrocious. <laughs> wow. Uh, did you watch this movie every day for three and a half months straight? <laughs> uh, no, no. Oh, that's just Michael J. OK. <laughs> no, but like, um, you know, I, I will say I am excited to see the producer's cut on Blu-ray when it comes out. Ugh, not me. It's just <sighs> better-looking shit. Dude, that is, like, you know, the worst. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll still suck and be awful. Because I remember I did watch the producer's cut when we did the um, retrospective two years ago. and But the scenes were so dark that it's, like, I the copy I got or whatever, it's, like, I can't see what the fuck's going on. Right. So, I mean... I watched the producer's cut, the entire box set, but I I don't see it getting any better. No. <laughs> um, and then obviously Halloween Resurrection to me is – again, that was a movie I saw in theaters. I was 13 years old and I fucking loved it then. And then I watch it now and I'm like, this is, this is unwatchable shit. I bust a rhymes with the kung fu and – 
you know, just the reality show is just so, oh, it's so bad. Yeah. Even though they mm. brought it back to the non-sister family angle, there's like none of that whatsoever after the first five minutes. It just still sucks. Yeah. And honestly, like going back and watching Resurrection, um, actually a couple months, uh, maybe like two months ago, I had popped it in. Um, and I'm like, all right, let me just, you know, I watched it for the show, uh, two years ago. I remember it being horrible. I'm like, let me just watch it again. I'll probably get a few laughs. And it's just, I got halfway through and I'm like, I can't do it. It's just, it's so funny. Like the beginning, the way when the two nurses are talking, uh, in the hallway, how Michael came back or whatever, it's, yeah. it's laughable. It's unbelievable. It's so funny. It's just, it's so funny when the woman's like, his larynx had been crushed. I'm, I'm cracking <laughs> fuck up. Try to sell that fucked up, uh, non-great ending that you had, and, and try to make us think that this is perfectly fine. Now, one thing, like I mentioned, and uh, Matt and Dave and I, Jamie's still uh, on the fence, we are huge fans of Halloween 2. And like I said, I already, I always was. I wouldn't say I'm on the fence. Oh, you don't like it? I've never liked it. I'm. <laughs> Have you watched it? I'm attempting. No, I haven't. And I told, okay. I promised you guys I would. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'm on the other side of the fence attempting to climb over. That's what okay. I'm Okay. She's willing to climb if she sees a reason. Now, uh, hopefully you could sell her on it. And, and two, um, how did you feel? And your, you know, your shows were huge at the time, the Halloween retrospective thing. That you did realize that the two of you guys are going to be saying something insanely unpopular when you were right. praising that. So how did you feel? Even you know, it's all it's always a risk. You know, you you feel. I mean, me, I feel like oh god, like I'll say on the show all the time. Oh, I'm gonna. I bet our listeners are rolling their eyes, or or I'm gonna get shit for this. But like liking Rob Zombie's Halloween too. I mean, it's. You you might as well come out and say you support like baby rape or something, right? Exactly. No, nobody, right? Nobody, most people don't like it, and okay, that's fine. Now, why I really like Halloween too, it was fucking brutal, and to me, I enjoyed the brutality, but I also enjoyed following Laurie Strode. You know, I really liked Scout as um, Laurie, and I like how. In the second movie, it focuses on her post-traumatic stress from it. She's going to therapy. And I enjoyed that stuff. I loved how she lived in this random farmhouse in the middle of nowhere with Annie. And I just I it to me it just hit a lot of good notes. I that was um, you know, that was like, okay, cool. Like they're gonna make a sequel. Let's see what our characters are up to. And I really liked the angle they went on that. Um I do agree the shit with like the white horse. I, I agree. That can be a little strange, and it's it's not the best part, not the best stuff in the movie, but it does, you know, it brings that Rob Zombie taste to it, for better or for worse, and it'll go into, like, okay, well, this is how Michael is, and, you know, definitely in Halloween 2, they make Michael Myers almost more like, you know, hu- human, like like a homeless guy or something, and to me, that worked. Because it works for Rob Zombie's Halloween. It's not going to work for Carpenter's Halloween. His Halloweens are different. Zombie's Halloweens, it's, he made it his own. And I just, I really like what he did with, you know, the transition from Michael and Halloween 1 to Michael and Halloween 2. And I was a big fan of, you know, him with the long beard and all that crap. And I love, love, love when he's grunting while he's stabbing somebody. That to me is awesome. Mm. The the Michael that 
were we love is this phantom sort of ghostly shape not right. a human being and like you said it, it does work better in carpenters but even then it ain't like the shape was such a great thing by the time we're in six and five and eight and shit like right. that you know and and it's weird that when are you see you're a fan of that whole teen scream thing so do you like h2o I love H2O. Okay, so they humanize him, like Matt said in our uh, Versus show. They show his eyes. Like, it, it's it's almost like they really wanted to drive home the brother aspect and not a shape. And absolutely. And what I loved about H2O is that it's really – it's Lori's movie. You know, we're focusing on Lori. And that's really what I – kind of, you know, would expect. And that to me, that was a nice angle. You know, her at the school, she's trying to get her life together. It, it's like a character-driven horror movie in a sense. And that's really why I related to it. And I just, I really liked that. And, you know, here she is. She has her 17-year-old son now. And, you know, she's got the issues with him. Like, no, you're not going out camping and crap. Alcoholic. Right, right. And I just, I, I really enjoy H2O on a, on a character level as well, and yeah. Yeah, and that's that's the strongest aspect of Rob Zombie's Halloween, too. It's characters. That's when you, when, like, and that's when the Friday 13th went downhill, when it was sort of more about the characters and the group of kids that you had running around, um, <clears throat> and you really explored their characters and gave them depths and gave them nicknames and camaraderie-type things amongst each other. That is when we were sort of really invested. And then once Jason became the star of the movie in Part 6, he's a fucking James Bond doing the slash and the fucking music about him and shit. Like, that's that's when everything went wrong. It's almost like when these killers are just uh, placed into the real world of real people, that's when we like it. And once you make them the rock star, it's just stupid. And it's just like, what are we watching here? I I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, now, like, is there anyone on here that, like, I want to hear who hates Halloween too? And I would love to know, like, why. (laughs) Well, Jamie hasn't watched it enough, I think, to really give an argument, right, Jamie? You saw it once. Nah, I watched it. I saw it once, and it was the theatrical version, and yeah, so. I disliked it vehemently and have not watched it again. Right. <laughs> now, if you ever are interested in revisiting it, and if you know, if not, that's cool. But um, if you ever are, I definitely recommend watching the unrated version. Um, you know, get get give that a shot. You know, if you're ever interested. In, so yeah. I told them I would. Like I will. The- did you like the first one, Jamie? Because I disliked the first one and really loved the second one. I thought when I first saw the first one, I thought I liked it. And even though I have issues with a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that goes on there, I, th- I think that he kind of removes the scary by making him uh, – by giving him this backstory that pretty much is the backstory of any run-of-the-mill serial killer. And uh, because I think what was truly scary about the first one is that this perfectly normal child from this perfectly normal neighborhood just out of nowhere murders his sister with a knife one night. You know, I I think that that's there's something inherently scary about that. And so when you give him this background of uh, abuse and and animal cruelty and all of these things and being picked on, it just sort of, well, who's surprised then? Why is there, why are you shocked when he goes insane? It's pretty much just a recipe for that. So I did have issues with that, but I thought that I enjoyed the brutality of it and the grittiness of it and the, and the Rob zombiness of it. But then when I went back and watched it again, 
I was just kidding. The um, <laughs> and particularly what I don't like is the way that he wrote the teenage characters. I hate. I hate oh, them. Unlikely. I can't. Oh. Completely unlikable, and I can't imagine ever wanting to be around any of them. And it just. It just completely took me out of the film you know when you have the three girls walking and talking and and i'm not interested at all hey my daddy's the sheriff huh why don't you go crawl back under your fucking rock she's a c-u-n-t fuck you i don't i no i don't like and that think and i say this a lot but i think that in modern horror films we suffer from that pretty frequently where all the characters are so incorrigible that you just don't care. Right. And that's exactly what happened with that film, that film is I just didn't care. And so um, if you're saying, like, you hate the first one, so you're uh, – but you, but you do like the second one, then that actually – and I have never seen the director's cut. So those are all reasons that there is a possibility that I could watch it again and have a completely different view of it. And I told you guys I would, and I totally will. I, I will do that. You know what? With though? an open mind, you know, I always keep an open mind. I want to tell you before you watch it that as much as I like <laughs> Halloween too, I don't think that the characters, uh, especially Lori and uh, who is it, Annie or whatever the fuck they know here, whatever the character is, uh, Annie. Uh, okay, so Lori and Annie, I don't think they're any more likable in the second one. <laughs> however, well, however, there's a reason in the second one because they've been through all this shit, and you're seeing. You know, the, the after effects, you know, PTSD or trauma or whatever you want to say. So it, it, I think it makes more sense why they're unlikable in this movie because of what they've been through. I think Danielle Harris is actually a little more likable. Yeah, she's more likable. Yes, she is. She's That's fine. You actually feel even, sorry for her. Right. Even for me. Yes, even yeah. for you. Just because all her movies suck for the last two years, it doesn't mean that, you know. <laughs> She actually was good at well, some that's point. That's not why I dislike her. You know, I mean, it's just part of it. Camp Dread is a shining moment, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, like for Rob Zombie Halloween One, mm-hmm. I'm just tired of the fucking uh, tug of war game Rob was playing with the fucking studio. Like uh, he should have just kept making his own movie. It's weird. The things I hate most about the first one is everything Jamie mentioned the the fucking recipe for serial killer bullshit. And oddly enough, and Matt and Dave, we all agree. That even though we hate that part the most, the aspect the most, it is the most entertaining part of the entire movie. Um, yeah. If you sort of just oh, it totally is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Halloween night sucks. Oh, once you he rips the nurse's throat out and that fucking slow, that amazing scene, slow mo and the screaming, all that. That's perfect. You could just stop it there. We're done. Okay, let's watch Halloween two now. Like no, there's still there's still an hour and a half of movie. Oh uh, well, I'm good. I don't need to see it. <sighs> too but, fucking long too. Now, what I love about in um, Halloween 2, now, you guys must love the uh, the nur- Nurse Daniel's death. Like, that oh. to me, one of the most brutal stabbings. Oh, the opener? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. And hysterical at this. Yeah, it's funny, because she comes out with her mouth just, like, open. Amazing. And there's just shit coming out. Yeah. I- it's great. But I think you're not going to see... I, I didn't listen to, to your... Um, H2 review. Yeah, I have it. I'll uh, send it to you. But I will. But I will. But I, I, I think that you asked also what we thought. If there was any... I, I didn't hear yours, but our review was pretty much glowing. Matt, myself, and Alex did a review of H2 together. And, you know, I, I guess <laughs> we're the minority. Your your, your guys' uh, review of it and ours are, are probably the... The only five so, people. The, the few favorites. <laughs> the only five people who like Halloween 2 are right in this room. <laughs> Except for Joe. Time will tell. It's one of those movies where 
once the you know years down the road people will understand it's like you know okay it's not it's something totally different i got to look at it from a different angle and people will get it eventually okay So now that we got a little taste of Tom's um, taste in horror, <clears throat> let's get to the history of uh, the House of Horror podcast and how it interacted with the Skeleton Crew. So Horror Bid started off with Rabbit and Red Radio. They never had a podcast before. It was run by Vince, and I was on it sometimes. I, I couldn't stand Vince, so I quit, I think, two times or three times. Uh, but the first time, we weren't even on Horror Bid. So I, and, and the other guy is Mike, who was on this show when we started this one. So... We were on there. We did a month together. I quit. I came back. And during the time I quit, all of a sudden, House of Horror showed up. So I was like, yeah, fuck you, buddy. He's replacing your ass. See, bitch, you're not even good enough to do that. They have to add another show. You fucking suck, dude. You know, I was all into the idea that you guys came on. I had no idea who you were. Uh, I remember your first show was like Steakland or something like that. I forgot what it was called. Something. That was one of our first one ever was Mask Maker. Oh, Mask Maker. Okay. And yeah. then Steakland was like in the beginning stills. So I uh, was thrilled about this. And I think I even attacked Vince and Mike somewhere. And at the time, they're like, oh, Alex, he's actually saying something. So, you know, they said, you know, hey, man, blah, blah. And they wanted to make peace, asked me to come back on the show a week later. Um, and then I came on. I remember listening, I remember you guys, both you and Joe, came on Rabbit and Red, and it was like one of the most embarrassing times in the world for me, because we, you guys were debating something, and you guys sounded so articulate and really had such a, a command of your thoughts and ideas and, and how to like overview something and how to give the perspective of, of where we are now on it, and I remember... The one specific thing, you guys came on for an 80s thing with them. Yeah. One argument Mike said to you was like, he's like, I hate the, the Friday 13th remake. And you were like, or Joe was like, well, why, why do you hate it? What do you mean? What's, he goes, it sucks, dude. And you're like, well, why does it suck? <laughs> yeah. He goes, it just doesn't feel like the it doesn't feel like a yeah. Friday 13th. And then you were like, okay, what else? <laughs> and he goes, I just, I just don't think it feels like a Friday 13th movie. And you were like, well, that's it? That's your argument? It doesn't feel like a... So it's so if a movie doesn't feel like Friday the 13th, it just sucks? That's it? Friday the 13th? Yeah, they, they Absolutely totally... Absolutely not. Friday the 13th totally was did. perfect all around for for a, a generation coming up. Uh, yes, teenagers, you're right. I mean, you could say younger generation. But, I mean, that movie's completely completely a montage. Like, when I revisited the some of the original films, I was like, oh, 
They had they paid homage. They paid homage to everyone. They had a wheelchair on the wall and everything. Like I don't understand why it's such a backlash with that remake. I just do not get it at all. It's a it's a Friday movie. Like it, yeah. there's people in a cabin getting getting killed creatively. Yeah. And I, that's all the Friday movies have ever been. So why is everyone so against it? Well, I because think it doesn't feel like a Friday. It doesn't feel like a Friday movie. Watch Friday one through. And again, it's probably so, so because that, of that the automatically, generation. That automatically fucks it. Oh, it doesn't feel like it. So it doesn't work. Period. Exactly. Well, yeah, for many people. Well, you need to give me more. You need to give me problems. Like you need. Like Scream doesn't. Scream four doesn't feel like a Scream movie. But I, I listed the problems. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, you have I'll to you, you I say, will, oh, well, it doesn't feel like a, screen, it doesn't feel like a Friday film. Well, tough luck. Yeah, it's well, 30, I mean, you want to talk about body later. count. That's, that's, exactly, that's exactly what that movie was. I mean, at least, like, with, with Friday the 13th, maybe not with all of them, but at least with some, you had the protagonist-antagonist relationship, and you don't have that with this movie at all. Uh, I mean, you, when you... What, what, Honestly, I, I gotta say, I, I agree with I agree with Mike on this. Like, I was just holding my head in my hand. I was like, "Oh my god, they're gonna make us look like assholes." Because <laughs> I, I wasn't on that show. Right. Right there, I just knew something was like wrong with our show. And then I listened to you guys, and I just loved how, um, like I said, how, how you saw the big picture, how you picked out details, how you, um, you know. The, the way you guys cover the trailers, how you review eight movies in a show and just keep such a variety. And I was like, and then Vince and us, we just babble for like 90 minutes about almost nothing. And we talk about Halloween 2 all the time and, and fucking other <laughs> shit. And I'm like, what are we even doing here? Like, what is this? And Justin pretty much picked up on it and he said, you know what? Guys, if you don't change the what you're doing, you gotta go. I presented a whole thing to Rabbit and Rat. I said, here's how we could stay on. We gotta cover this, 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 do this, this, and that. Have a complete show, variety, and we're good. He'll keep us on. They're like, fuck that. I'm not doing that, man. Blah, blah, blah. No, I don't care. Blah, blah, blah. Then, bam, we were off just like that. And then you guys were the main show. Uh, you know, nine months go by, and you guys are still there, still doing your thing. And you had, like, your greatest month ever. Uh, in October, you did your Halloween retrospective. Yes, yeah. Which put you guys over the top. So, so now I want to go to Matt. So now, um, did you ever, Matt? Did you even listen to Rabbit and Red, or were you just right to House of Horror? No, I found uh, Horrorbid through an advertisement on like Horror Hound magazine or something like that, and it was around that time, that Halloween, where I found um, House of Horror podcast. I'd never. I never really done anything online, listened to podcasts. I didn't know what they were. Uh, I'm a horror fan, but uh, none of my circle of friends is like, you know, a horror nerd like me. So uh, when I first heard you guys on House of Horror, I thought it was great. You know, I was like, holy crap, these guys are just talking about m movies, you know, and, and, and they're just breaking them down and, and they're just running through all these movies and just talking about them. It's, it's great. And how you guys, you know, just like Alex said, the way you guys, you know, detailed movies and, and, and stuff like that was, was great. Just loved it. Oh, and, I appreciate uh, that. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, so that's when I came in and then, you did the Halloween series, and it was just drop the mic. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, it's just amazing. Yeah, just amazing. That was like uh, the biggest thing. I remember you had like huge amount of views and shit like that. It was just crazy. Yeah. 
yeah, like, what was what was that for you guys? What was that like? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I recall going on that website and checking out the views. And, you know, that that could be a loose number. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, I remember at one point I'd looked, it had over like 60,000 views or something. And I'm like, holy crap. And, you know, I remember there was a time on, uh, actually I had a friend of mine um, send me a link. He's like, yo, you guys are on the IMDb news. And it was like, I think the title of the article was like House of Horror Shatters like Records or something like that or something. I think we even like crash the server or something or just, <laughs> and, and, and really? that was like i mean that was so cool to hear you know and that, that was just so amazing i'm like holy crap really they want to listen to us talk about halloween all right but that was no that was like really really awesome and that really got us um you know a lot of notoriety yeah yeah absolutely and you know the thing about doing that show Joe and I were not afraid to pick apart some of those movies and you know obviously that's always that can be like dangerous territory too because these are movies that people like beloved I, movies yeah yeah exactly especially like horror fans they hold it so close and you know so it's like here we are picking apart certain ones and you know so <laughs> but there's a way to do that right and I think you guys did I still remember where I was when I listened to it like I remember exactly the street I was walking down because I, I worked outdoors for a living at the time and I remember exactly where I was like it was that defining to me and awesome yeah definitely man and the reason why is because I was so taken back about or by how you made me look at Halloween 2 from Rob Zombie I always liked it for for on the surface reasons and then you and Joe got into this depth about characters yeah. and the, what it meant to remove masks and and what it meant to do this and and it really made me see that movie in such a different way and all the aspects that you kind of talked about were really poignant things to to mention about movies so now i just want to know real quick so when rabbit and red was pretty much thrown off a of horror bid did you guys feel like like mm-hmm. man we came into horror bid there was already a show and we didn't give a fuck we said well you know i think we could do something better so you sent in your I don't know, resume or whatever you did. How, how did you even get on there? And, and why did you go on even though there was already a podcast? I mean, that was actually, I mean, see, funny story. I'm actually not well versed in the whole podcast universe. My, uh, you know, Joe is somebody who has um, been a big fan of podcasts. And um, he had gone to Horror Bid. I, I don't remember how, but he had gotten in contact with uh Justin and you know they gave us like a trial thing like all right let's just see how it goes and you know he was a fan of it and um you know I never really had listened to an episode of Rabin and Red before I had gotten uh before in the, also in the beginning stages of doing a House of Horror podcast I didn't really know what they were all about and then, you know, obviously, like, I started to listen to some episodes, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. And I kind of, like, I, I really didn't have a problem with there being another podcast, personally. Uh, I had looked at it as, like, okay, they have their show, so they're going to have their own views and their own structure. And then there's Joe and I, who are, were, our show is, were more analytical. And, um, you know, like, yeah, we'll screw around and stuff, but, like, you know, we really look at, um, we really look and analyze uh, each film, you know, so I looked at it as like, we're two different podcasts. So, you know, why, why can't there be room for both? Yeah. 
So there was. So you're just more into what you were doing. So when Rabbit and Red was thrown off, you didn't feel a sense of accomplishment, like you came in and overtook no, it. Not, no, I never looked at it as like, oh yes, we won. No, I never had that mentality. I just looked at it as I like me personally. Like I don't even know why they they went off or whatever, whatever happened, happened, I suppose. And I just had looked at it as, oh, okay, I guess we're just down to one podcast right now. And, you know, obviously, you know, me like feeling uh, anxious, I guess, if a uh, another podcast would come around. So I, I can understand, you know, like maybe if they had felt like, oh, are they trying to overtake anything? That was that was never any of the mentality that that we had we we were all we just want to talk movies you know that's it and it's never a rivalry or anything like that we're just here and if you want to listen to our opinions great you know and that, if not whatever <laughs> yeah so when okay so you just mentioned an- anxiety about another show coming in so then nine months later the uh justin decides to call us rabbit in blue uh to <laughs> j- just to give familiarity to the people who listen to rabbit and red and it was only me and mike not vince and then we had Dan. So when you heard that that happened, what were you thinking at that point? Um, to tell you the truth, I had never heard of Rabbit and Blue until you just mentioned it now. And that's why, you know, after Rabbit and Red had left um, Horror Bit, I know it was just us for a while. And You just remember Skeleton Crew? You don't remember Rabbit and Blue? I don't remember. No, I don't remember Rabbit and Blue, honestly. When I, when I first started listening, the Rabbit and Blue thing didn't even register to me until... Until you guys stopped using it, like episode <laughs> way down the road, I was like, "Wait, why was that rabbit and blue thing there? I don't even get that." There's a skeleton. So yeah, I, I kind of understand. Okay. So. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. So when you guys first came out, because I remember the show starts. <laughs> Nobody knew this. Yeah, it says it says Rabbit and Blue Radio presents the Skeleton Crew, right. something of that nature. I remember that in the early shows. But you went by the name of Rabbit and Blue. You didn't go by the name of the Skeleton Crew right, right out of the gates. We did, <laughs> and we told Justin, "Okay, cool. We have a name. Here's our logo. So go ahead, and we'll give you the stuff when we we come out." He goes, "Well, I actually um, I want to call you guys." Something that relates to Rabbit and Red, just so they get familiar with you, so they're more inclined to listen to you. I was like, really, dude? And he's like, well, yeah, how about this? How about Rabbit and Blue? Did you tell him that didn't make any fucking sense? Uh, yeah, I was like, I don't know, man. I don't, I'm not really digging this. But at the time, you got to remember, it's a big deal to get on a major horror site and do your podcast. You know, most podcasts are just obscure and they're just either on no site or whatever. Like, this was a big deal. And Harbid had a whole mystique to it that anyone who goes there. And plus, you got to remember, Justin told us we had 10,000 listeners on Rabbit and Red. So... But those same listeners, if there's a podcast on that website and and you have horror fans who want to hear podcasts, they're going to check you out. You know, it's not like – and Rabbit and Blue means nothing. I mean, Rabbit and Red at least comes – it is a reference to something. <laughs> Rabbit and Blue is just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I would have said, fuck you is what I would have said. Listen, <laughs> we appreciated the gesture of letting us on. So, and you, you got to remember when you're when you're starting out, you know, now we could say whatever we want cuz we're established. Back then it was like, you know. So, so it I immediately had him change that within 2 weeks, I think. We we moved right away to Skeleton Crew and just dropped that. I said, "Dude, I can't do it anymore, man. We got to change this." So he said, "All right, whatever. You did your Friday 13th thing. People know who you are. All right, go ahead and switch." So we did that. So, hey, was Rabbit and Red still around at the time when you guys were doing Rabbit and Blue? Yeah, they 
They're doing okay. a show on thedevilseyes.com. And okay, so they were still in existence going by that name. Oh, yeah, man. Okay, they all right. Still... I wasn't sure about that. Okay. Yeah, so they probably took it as a slight, uh, even though I didn't even want it. So, <clears throat> so like, you see the skeleton crew, I guess. I guess Rabbit Red, uh, Blue, you missed. So, you know, we're there, and we get, we're getting big-name interviews like Bill Mosley and this and that, and you see that we're doing this and that. You're getting a few emails about us. What what are you thinking at that point? Did you? I guess you never even checked out the show or were curious that way. I mean, I actually I thought that was kind of cool. I'm like, oh shit, they're actually getting names and stuff. And then yes, I definitely remember when you got uh, Mosley, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. And I'm like, you know, me, I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, okay, you know that that's fine. But you know, I still wanted to. Uh, we still wanted to stick to our structure. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't want to change anything up of course and i was like oh that's really cool and you know they're definitely going to get a lot of buzz but you know i i never really looked at it as like oh we're threatened or i never looked at it as that i just thought oh cool like if you want to you know listen to interviews and stuff then you know check out skeleton crew that's cool (laughs) and like if you know if you want to hear you know two guys from long island bitch about most horror movies you listen to House of Horror. <laughs> no, no. But it's like if you want to hear like analytical stuff and seriousness, like, you know, like go to House of Horror where we dissect the shit out of stuff to the point where it's like I don't even know what I'm talking about sometimes. And then, you know, so it's like I always saw them as like two obviously very different podcasts and people out there, especially horror fans, I feel that they would want some sort of diversity. Yeah, and you see now people listening are probably like, what the fuck is he talking about? Because, right. and here, here's the great thing about this, and this is going to tie into everything we're about to say. So, you don't know this, but we do dissect movies, and we do do, a, like, not what you do, everybody, I guess, does this, you know? Right. Do, we do get do the whole structure and the, the whole thing and, and analyze the shit. Like, some of our reviews last longer than the movies. This has happened about four times already. And, right. But some just go 35, uh, 55 minutes, whatever. So we do do that. And here's the interesting part, that you don't even know that. And you assumed that we were still like Rabbit and Red. So here's where Matt comes in now. Now, Matt, so you, you're listening to both shows. You heard our Friday 13th retrospective. You... you you got into the crew. You're still listening to House of Horror, and they do. They say they're doing a Friday Thirteenth retrospective now. So you send them an email. Yeah. So yeah. So I found you guys. You did the Friday Thirteenth, you know, series. You know, an episode for each movie. I thought that was incredible. It's my favorite series. I loved it. I really connected with you guys and mm-hmm. stuff like that. <clears throat> you know, I, I just was complimenting you guys on starting to do retrospectives. And I thought that was a great idea because I just heard the skeleton crew do this full retrospective. And I thought it was great. And um, <laughs> I, what did I do? I suggested a team up. Yeah. I'm like, you guys should. You guys are on the same, uh, you know, website. You, you know, maybe you know each other. I don't know. What you guys should team up because you guys are super analytical. And and these guys are, as I said at the time, fanboys. <laughs> Next one we got from Matt Wiesel. Your views on the films are great, and your retrospectives have been a blast so far, and I'm excited that you're getting to one of my favorite franchises, the Friday the 13th series. It's also interesting because recently the Skeleton Crew did a full retrospective of the series, as well as as I'm sure you're aware of, but they are coming from more of a fanboy perspective. 
It would be interesting to hear the two groups come together for one podcast, considering you guys have more of an analytical view and they have more of a nostalgic view. You know, they have a fanboy perspective, you know. But well, what I was really saying was you guys are smart and then these guys are, are like me. Right. You know, these these guys are are, are are laughing at the movies and talking about the fun parts and you guys are, are honestly breaking it down and stuff like that. That's kind of what I was trying to say. And um, And in retrospect, I think – that the reason that and maybe you can correct me but mm-hmm. i think it's because you guys are younger and we kind of already grew up with these movies and maybe you guys literally are looking back on them for the first time so you guys you know j- just don't go with certain things and stuff like that and maybe that's kind of uh yeah you know, why I can, you do that a little bit yeah i can i can understand that you know that that goes that ties into like what i'm saying earlier like a generational thing i mm-hmm. suppose right. like you know like we just want to we want to run our show in a certain structure and you know stick to that structure be consistent with things because when we were consistent with things our numbers would be really well and it would be a success for everybody so you know um uh, yeah <laughs> uh, but alex seriously you guys are fanboys thank you now yeah. so you guys read this email and uh so he goes and they're looking at it from more of a fanboy perspective and you guys are more analytical and at the time i'll give it to matt at the time we were not and matt and dave you'll agree you've been listening since the beginning we have completely changed from the friday 13th retrospective on how we review stuff thank you uh, and jamie is a big part of that <laughs> no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally yeah, yeah. We did. We had to grow, and plus, we had Michael J on the show, so you can only get so smart and analytical. <laughs> Halloween is very subtle and suggestive, and uh, Friday Thirteenth is more like visceral and brutal. So I think I think they're two different movies. What do you think, Mike? I would totally agree with you. I mean, they are because you got babysitters in Halloween, and these are camp counselors on Crystal Lake. So that's and- different. Yeah, he he would rather talk about. Uh, <laughs> oh, dude! So when Jason twisted his head, it sounded like, <laughs> yeah, like, and we're like, okay, so how about that Tommy Jarvis changing so much from part five to six? <laughs> you know, and and you know we so we were going for all the interesting uh, topics, all the funny topics, all of the uh, questions about the series. We weren't analyzing them like you because we were coming from a different place. It was more of a. A bunch of guys, uh, I guess, fireside beer chat or whatever, and it. But it's still, we still um, explored a lot, so it, it still worked. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's like it's like two schools of thought, you know, and, and it's like, and, and that's totally fine. No one, no one's wrong. No one's right, and and it's like good to get those two types of uh, perspective. So I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. Yeah. So what Matt did to you, though, because you never heard a Skeleton Crew show, he put that in your heads immediately that we were fanboys and just, uh, as you actually put it, sucking the dick of the movies. Skeleton Crew doing the Friday the 13th retrospective, us getting with them. Um, Fanboy perspective. I'm proud that we don't come from a fanboy perspective with any of this shit. I just say that up front, and I'm glad that someone pointed it out. Yeah, well, not we, that their reviews are shitty. I'm right, just saying right. that that's just not our style. Yeah, 
there's nothing wrong with doing fanboy reviews. That that's awesome. That's great. But to um, me, I find we're analytical. We like to dissect the film. It's a very blind way of looking at things, though. I will say, like you're willing to forgive way more than. See, to me, I never thought of that while doing a podcast. It's almost like why bother? Because it's like. Oh yeah, this they did this, they did this, they did this, but I love it anyway. Who cares? Yeah, there's no awesome. cri- there's no critiquing. It's just not our style. We're, we're more we like to be we like to critique. Of course. Yeah. Um what else we Otherwise you're sucking the dick of the horror films. So. Exactly. And who wants to hear about how great the horror movies are? Like to go through the Friday series and be like, "Well, they're all awesome." It's like why bother doing it? Yeah. Just because you're going to do it from a Give fanboy a, perspective. Yeah, yeah. And it's cool for nostalgia. Like it, it, it's cool, like you just talked about Silent Hill and nostalgia. That's cool. But if you're getting nostalgia out of every single film you watch, I don't know why you're doing this. So, oh, okay. so yeah, so you guys were ba- were commenting based off of that email without even actually hearing us. So we took okay. that really personal. And yeah. we were like, what the fuck? Did they, these guys even listen? Because we bashed this one, this one, this one, and that one. And then right. we just went off. We were wondering why, you know, uh, all this. And you were like, yeah, we, we, we don't want to come from a fanboy approach. We're more analytical. And it was... You were just saying all that based on Matt, and you never had a true a- animosity towards our show. You really didn't even know it. Right, yeah. I can tell you there is definitely no right. bad feelings or anything. thing is, you know, with my show, what I do is I, I, I show up and, you know, I give my thoughts on movies and stuff. And, you know, I, I hand it to Joe and I give him so much credit because he does the, you know, a lot of the editing and stuff. And he does a lot of that structure. is It, it comes from his head, so... You know that that that's him, and that's you know I'm kind of like it is a partnership, definitely. But yeah, I was going to ask you, do you guys edit your shows? Uh, yeah, he, he yeah he does the editing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So now you know that happens. I don't know if you heard that we kind of went back and forth. I don't I don't know if you even knew that. You probably don't because you guys are so not into the beef thing. So mm-hmm. now suddenly somebody tells you they can't hear your shows on iTunes. What's wrong? You were like, I don't know. We're gonna get it fixed. Nothing's wrong. Are you guys off Harbit? No, man. We're not off. Bam, you're off. And there's no explanation whatsoever, supposedly to you. Now, what are, what are you thinking at that point? You know, I mean, I can only speak for myself and like I felt that I was like, oh shit, like, you know, what's what's the future, you know? And like, obviously we both wanted to continue the podcast. So, you know, we came to a mutual agreement like, hey, let's keep it going, you know, and let's try and, you know, we'll operate it by ourselves and we'll start our own website and we'll see how that goes. And, you know, obviously there was um, definitely anxiety on my part about, okay, is that it? Are we dead in the water? Right. Is anybody going to find us again? Uh, right. Exactly. Are we going to carry over some of those people? What's going on? So, you know, that that's how I felt, you know, and, um, you know, we, we started the House of Horror Podcast.com together and Joe decided designed the um website himself and you did a great job and i really commend you guys for that you just oh well thank you i appreciate that yeah he he's very good at that kind of stuff and you know i i really handed to him for that and you know he would we definitely we sat down and we talked about it and then you know we like i said came to the agreement like no let's let's try this out let's see where it goes and you know obviously like we're still standing so that that's really cool but um, I mean, I, I really didn't understand, like, you know, like, as far as, like, horror bid, like, I really, to tell you the truth, I really don't know what specifically was going on or what had happened or I just, 
had heard that Harbin, the website wasn't doing well and we're going to try it for ourselves. And I just went along with it. And, you know, that that's really it. And, yeah, I was definitely nervous about starting it because, you know, we paid for a website. We didn't, you know, it was definitely, <laughs> definitely a lot of risk factors. So and lots of uncertainty, of course. Did you ever get confirmation or any anything from the guy who runs Horbit as to, uh, you know, why he dropped you or did he say anything to you at all? It was just you're um, done. I had was I just know that it was not handled in a good way, but I, I really don't like know the facts. And it's funny because it's like it seems like a big deal, and it's like, oh, Tom, like you should obviously know that. But like to tell you the truth, like I never like I don't know. I just didn't really want to hear it. I just heard that the site wasn't doing well, and I'm like, okay, you know, I guess it looks like they're gonna be off the air or whatever. And then I guess uh, we'll start our own thing. That was that was really it, and. Um, you know, I just know it was a very quick thing. So, well, I have the. Pers- I actually am the only probably person on Earth at this point who knows why, or or no has okay. any insight on it. So at the time, uh, you know, we were both there, and Justin was basically. He was really happy that we were hosting our shows on YouTube, and just posting that video there. Like that's how we started off. Believe it or not actually mm-hmm. putting the shows on YouTube and, and people just click it and play it there. Uh, Justin was really uh, into the, the costs of the website and where to keep the costs down. So he actually didn't even like the idea of hosting all your shows. And as you kept going, you did a weekly show and the costs were rising and this and that. He said bandwidth, blah, blah. And then... Um, he, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, then he did mention that Joe and him have bumped heads. He was like, yeah, Joe's being sort of a dick. And I'm kind of mad at him right now. And at the time, you know, he just said that. And then you were still on. You were still there for another month or whatever. And then he eventually, eventually, it really looked like the main reason you're not there is because, I I know this is terrible, but it's just bandwidth. Yeah. (laughs) And honestly, that's, I mean, that's kind of. That's crazy, man. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that's why it's like. You, it's funny. It's like I put this out of my head, honestly. And, you know, like you mentioning it, I'm like, oh, shit, I kind of understand. I kind of remember some of this because I just, you know, always was thinking like the site's not doing well. And then you mentioning the bandwidth, that that, that makes sense. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it's funny. I, like you should really like think highly of yourself, you and Joe, because thank you. <laughs> you have moved on. You don't even care. You don't even really know why you were gone. And when Vince was thrown off a rabbit red, like this guy, he talks about it today as if it just happened a month ago. Like he is his he's right there in that moment from his his glory days or whatever. Like he he still references Harbit on every single show and he has not been there since 2011 that we're going on almost four, three full years. He has not yeah. been there. And this guy is still like, I'm still actually uh, talking to Justin and uh, blah, blah. And like people are like, who the fuck are you talking about, dude? That was three years ago. We don't even care. And you're still so wrapped up in this. And and it it's really, it says a lot about him and you that you guys are just like, you moved on. There was no thing and it you don't yeah. even really care. And this guy is still hanging on and he's just like, yeah, like you had mentioned like earlier, like you're like, oh, it's horror domain now. And I remember 
Like, I honestly even forgot that it was horror domain now because I, I remember hearing that, like, one time in passing a couple months ago. Right. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. Like, I, it, it's so funny because it's like more of our time now is spent with us operating it ourselves. Right. You know, it's like, of course, I, I don't forget, you know, okay, horror bid, like, yes, that was the birth of right. everything. But, you know, obviously, you move on from that kind of stuff. And to tell you the truth, like, I wasn't really interested in a lot of the, you know, like, when, uh, what was it, we were coming off horror bid. I was like, hey, listen, I'm not really interested in so much about, like, what's going down or whatever. I'm all about, let's be like proactive like what can we do now how do we because fix it not yeah not how do we not dwell on this well fi like yeah. like for example yeah. let's just give a perspective here vince continuously mentions them for three straight years he even bashes the guy running it now believe it or not he he criticizes the site today when it's hard to main and this guy isn't even justin but he's still in in those in the firing sites because it used to be like it's so insane like the psychology behind this you could sit on it and let's just look at the other end of this. How many times have you two said the words Harbid since you've been off Harbid? We, we literally zero. Zero. <laughs> okay. So that just gives you uh, like a, a one end of the spectrum to the other, the crazy and normal. We do, I, th I don't know, do we mention it, Jamie? I don't think we actually do mention Harbid since we left. Um, no, I don't think so. Oh, okay. I, don't... I certainly don't. I never mentioned him anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. I didn't like that site. I never liked that site. Right. And so now the big question is, so now you guys do something very specific You that is very different from other uh, podcasts. You you charge $1 for mm -hmm. your retrospectives, and, and now you're doing commentaries. Yes. So, you know, a lot of people, you got a lot of guys bitching about that, saying, who the fuck are you? I'm not paying you a dollar to hear what you got to say. We've been mm -hmm. listening for so long. Now we can't even hear this unless we pay. Like, I'm, you remember all those posts, because I remember all looking at them, too. And uh, right. so you stuck to it anyway. You said, oh, we're not changing this. We're going to do this. It's going to support the show. I guess the only question is... You know, we are, you know, none of us here are high and mighty. Me and Dave talked about it recently as a couple shows ago. When you start off a podcast, you're glad that anyone's listening at that point. Of course. It's the last thing from your mind, oh, I'm going to charge them a block. But months down the road, a year down the road, you start thinking like, shit, man, I wish we can get paid for this. Like, that'd be fucking of awesome. Of course. You know? Of course. So when you guys committed to that, were you scared that you were going to get tons of backlash and this would kind of ruin you and people would just be turned off? You know, of course, obviously, I was expecting like, oh, I'm sure people are going to be pissed off. And I, I understand, you know, but we were still getting those people that would come out and still uh, support us, even though it, uh, there is like the, uh, the charge of a dollar or whatever. People have emailed us and said like, hey, listen, that's fine, you know, and people have been very understanding, actually. And we've had a lot of success with some of our retrospectives. And, you know, a lot of people will even... You know, they just they donate money to us and stuff, and all of that money goes back into the show. It goes into running the website and stuff like that. Like I don't like I don't we don't pocket anything. It all goes into. You don't? Oh my god! No, it no it it goes back into the site, and we're all about that. You can get that thirty inch TV you want, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I may just ask Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. So okay. So now here's the, the big question. You know. Uh, we are um, one of the higher rated shows. We have the most listeners on our network. So 
our our regular show and coupled with YouTube and a couple other things we're on, we get let's just we're gonna say roughly one thousand people every single show. Like okay. without fail. Some shows have seventy six thousand people who heard them. But that's that's you know, just because they wanted to hear that thing. Now, you guys do a retrospective. Mm-hmm. Is it safe to say that you guys get a like six hundred to a thousand dollars for doing those? For the retrospectives, um, no. Um, regular episodes, like yes, our numbers will be in that range, of okay. course. Um, you know, like like cer- like even some of the most random episodes, like Paranormal Activity Four, you know, was like a huge hit, and then like obviously like Green Inferno, of course, and The Conjuring, some of our our biggest. Uh, numbers, but as far as the retrospectives go, um, have you have you ever had like four hundred people do it? Retrospectives for one uh, retro. I I really I I don't recall because I'll be honest, I don't really look at those numbers as much as I probably should. <laughs> you know, like I don't really like do that as much, but I just I do know that they are being. Um, they are being bought absolutely because you know it's like they're the ones who are supporting the show like i said that money goes back into supporting the show but um absolutely the retrospectives are definitely a success and that's why we keep doing them and we have had people email us and write in and say hey do what you got to do and people have been um supportive of it but me personally i understand if somebody doesn't want to pay that of course you know it's you know, you don't want it, no problem. I'm not going to, you know, sit here and go, how dare you? I don't, I don't, you know, fine, whatever. But all I got to say is we have enough support that... It's worth doing over and over. Exactly. So, yes, we do have a lot of uh, support with that. Yep. So, Jamie, would, do, what is, in your opinion, more important? Would you, you know, retrospectives, and, and House of Horror even mentions that, it, a lot more work goes into that than a regular show. So, because you got to sit there and blast through sometimes eight or more movies. So, and take all these notes. And with regular shows, it's a lot light, more of a light workload. So, to, to Jamie, for you, when you do a retrospective, would, would it be more worth it to you that, that a thousand or more people hear it? Or do you... Th- do you think you would also rather just get like three hundred dollars and and split it up or something? Uh, <laughs> I just I just I don't know. I just want people to listen. I don't care. Um, I I honestly don't see. I mean, this is not a, a personal thing. I have nothing personal. This, but I just I honestly don't see paying for podcast. Period. Because there's so many choices out there. I mean, hundreds of, of choices out there. So, I mean, it's just not something I would ever do. And I wouldn't expect, I don't expect my listeners to do it either. I do have some listeners who donate money because they feel like they look at it like if, I, if I'm going to watch a movie, I'm going to pay one, money to watch a movie. That's entertainment. If I'm going to buy a CD, then I'm going to pay money to buy a CD. That's entertainment. If I listen to a podcast, then I'm willing to pay money to listen to a podcast because that's entertainment. You know, so they, they look at it as if we are putting the time and the effort to out there to entertain them. And so, you know, then they will donate money to the show because they feel like we deserve it. And then honestly, that doesn't ever land in the pocket either. It all goes back to the shows. But um, it's just it's just basically a gesture of saying you take the time to do the effort and 
put this out here for my entertainment. If I was going to pay for some other kind of entertainment, I may as well pay for this too. So there's that way to look at it too. And, and I can totally see that. I mean, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. I mean, we don't get salaries for what we do. No. Right. And we damn straight put a lot of a lot of hours of work. Yeah, we into should what be we getting do. paid, honestly. But <laughs> um, and and people ask me all the time, like people who listen to podcasts but don't really know how the, they work behind the scenes, ask me all the time, like, do you get paid to do what you do? And I'm like, no, you know, I do it because I love it. And then they're like, well, you should. And I'm like, well, I would love to. You point me in the direction of some place that mm-hmm. will pay me a salary to do what I do now, <laughs> and I will do it all day long. I will do that in a heartbeat. But I have not found that yet. So until then, I'm just doing it because I love it. All right, well, I guess the one last thing in the history lesson here is, uh, so when you left Harbid, mm-hmm. what were your numbers like in the first weeks, first shows, and how long did it take? And you said you said now you're at about 600 listeners a show, maybe? Or I, w- um, I would say maybe uh, more than that, but um, I would average, uh, you know, in the, in the thousand range. I mean, we definitely, we do pretty well, and there's obviously constant, we get a lot of, uh, like fan mail and stuff like that. So yeah, a- absolutely. And yeah. what did you start with when you first went on your own? Like fifty? Um, <laughs> I, you know, obviously the numbers were a lot lower, but I, uh, they they weren't in that range. I just know that they were. It was they were. It was surprising to me at how when we had started the website and operating by ourselves, that I'm like, oh shit, a lot of people are following us, huh. and it was definitely enough to be like, hey, let's keep going keep going of course and then obviously we've gotten more successful now than we have been on Harbid. like yes on Harbid, like you have the fan base and that was a very popular website but we we get a lot of hits now and we are very successful with that and you know i'm so like happy great yeah, i'm happy for you guys i'm glad you got back on your feet well thank you thank you very much we we appreciate that thank you glad you didn't dwell <laughs> and all no, that type of shit. All, you know, it's all about let's move forward. Let's let's keep the focus on the show because if we go into negative, if we go into dwelling on oh we can't do, it, we're not going to get anywhere. Uh, so Justin like, sucks. I, he can't get his wife pregnant. You're not exactly like you're not going <laughs> to get anywhere by doing that and having that kind of attitude. So we were all about like no, let's be proactive. Let's be positive and be like no, if we want to keep this going, let's do it. And we were both very. Um, determined to do that, and we both have such a passion for it, and the results have been very, very good. It's really been like a bit of a blessing, you know. Yeah, right, it's a winner's attitude. Now, just for the record, we'd like to say that when we left Harbid, uh, I think last year around uh, March or something, we left before it actually closed down, and uh, our numbers did not change whatsoever. They actually continue to grow. So, thank you to everybody who. Stuck with us also, and uh, <laughs> you know it, it's it did not change at all. So it actually is awesome. So yeah, and thanks to you guys for the birth of, of the character of Matt Wazell. Oh yeah, <laughs> my God, I, we wouldn't even have a show. Oh, you know, God, yeah. it all started because of that. You know, and now Wazell is a character. Wazell became that is fine. He became <laughs> yeah. an entity on his own just yep. because <laughs> of Joe. Uh, I don't know if you here. Let's see if I find the drop. Joe, he was reading the email from Matt, and the way he said he actually mispronounced Matt's name, and it actually became, <laughs> for some reason, it just stuck to me. I, I thought something was funny about it. I'm not really sure what, but uh, 
I just started playing that on the show like all the time. Here, here's here's how it all the time, <laughs> all the time. Here it is. Matt Wiesel. <laughs> like, and he just said it that way, so I would just go like Matt Wiesel. I'd be like, so uh, yeah, I was talking to uh, Matt Wiesel. And shit like that. And all of a sudden, like, it just became a thing. Like, Matt Wiesel, again, his name is Matt Wessel. So that was the big joke. So Matt became sort of like a a, a known character on the show. And <laughs> he started his own thing. And because he was so well-known and made a couple of guest spots, everybody, mostly, I think everybody, followed him over and saw what he was doing when he started his podcast. And his is, like, um, immediately, him and Dave immediately successful and it could all be because of joe because it was oh you know it's so it's so funny it's like we mispronounce actors names and um movie titles a lot and i rip on joe a lot for that and we poke fun and we have fun about that kind of stuff because like i remember there was this one movie called like byzantium and like i remember it's like before the show i'm like okay we gotta look this up online and do some sort of like (laughs) speech pronounce pronunciation or something because we're gonna fuck this up and that became a running joke for us so like we you know through a lot of our episodes, you hear us going Byzantium. Like that's the way it was pronounced when we that's looked at Matt Wazell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's funny. It's funny. Like I mispronounce shit all the time. And oh yeah. It is. It is Alex funny. is the king of it. Joe and Alex should have a contest. For all, all you <laughs> yeah, guys. but it should be like a spelling bee. Someone should just say, "Okay, here it is," and <laughs> pronounce it. It'd be hysterical. Oh my god. Uh, Joe's <laughs> Joe's films though are the the titles are <laughs> unpronounceable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at no, because I'm I'm going through your guys' website and uh, I'm looking at Joe's films on here, and this one with an A title. How do you even say this? That's called anamnesis. <laughs> oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> that, that's something like a disease. Yeah, it's funny. Joe has a very creative mind, and he mm. comes up with a lot of obscure things, and I think that's really cool actually like hypnagogic like it's a really it's a cool thing i mean it's a really good way to get your audience hooked and you know it definitely the title it has a message there's like a meaning in between um you know a relations show so it's all about like those names mean something to him and it's all everything's very thought out he's very talented in that way you know yeah just like the guy who made all teenagers die <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, cheerleaders. That was Cheerleader. very creative. Yeah. He went past the teenager part. This is Mr. Skin for MrSkin.com with all the skinfo from the latest movies. Nude in theaters, Rose Leslie is bearing her blooms in Honeymoon. She's best known as the wilding egret from Game of Thrones, but she turns this thriller into a game of moans by stripping down for a shower scene. This rose will make you feel a prick. This is the Mr. Skin Minute. Nude on Showtime, Aaron Cummings went topless on the latest episode of Masters of Sex. As a high-priced call girl, Aaron bared her phenomenal fun bags for an impotent nerd. Miss Cummings will turn you into Mr. Cummings. Nude on Blu-ray, it's the 15th anniversary of Oliver Stone's football flick, Any Given Sunday. An hour and 11 minutes in, showgirl star Elizabeth Berkley bears her quarter rack during a post-poke chat with Al Pacino. Elizabeth will turn your nickel package into a dime package. MrSkin.com Fast forwarding to the good parts. No, it's been seriously like so much fun. I really enjoy talking to all of you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. You know, um... 
I know you weren't aware of the whole little rivalry we had for a minute, but uh, right. I, I was going to say you have a lot of guts for coming on here. But since you didn't know, you have no guts. You were just a nice guy to come on. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, absolutely. And I, I really I appreciate that very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. thanks, man. And, uh, you know, it was great talking to you. You got a great show. We're all glad you're still doing it. And we're glad to know that you didn't uh, personally attack us. It was all Matt's fault with his stupid email and telling you that we're just giving fanboy reviews. Hey, you guys should totally rip on these dudes over here because they suck. Yeah, thank you, Matt, for giving that perception of no us. No problem. Fucking fanboys. That's a shitster. Yeah, thank you, shitster. Because we could have been all friends for the last two years. I'm going to write you guys some more emails. Um. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, you know those fanboys that you guys used to know? They're still around. <laughs> hey, man. So uh, thanks, dude, and uh, uh, glad to have you back sometime down the road, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Oh, thank you. I would. It, it's been so much fun. I would love. I love talking to all of you and talking movies and stuff. So thank you. I would love to be back. Thank you so much. Cool. Nice to meet you. Yes, you yeah. as well. So so nice. It's nice to put a voice with a voice. <laughs> <laughs>